Welcome to the Path Earth Matters podcast, a podcast which puts a brand and consumer lens on all things people, planet and profit. Join us as we chat with leading thinkers, creators, makers, movers and shakers in the world of all things sustainable. Hello, I'm Maria. And I'm Susie. And this is Earth Matters Live. Today, we're talking to Lara Morgan. Hello, Lara. Hi there. Thanks so much for joining us today. And let me start by introducing you to our listeners. So Lara Morgan is a British entrepreneur passionate about investing in well-being products and thereby improving life's journey. She's committed to constant positive innovation, to challenging the status quo, and to pushing sustainability to the top of the business agenda. Today, she invests in a number of health, fitness, and well-being brands, including Scented.com, a 100% natural, portable, well-being ritual aromatherapy brand with a sustainability story and also Global Amenities Direct, which delivers innovative eco-conscious solutions for hospitality products. So, Lara, you actually, we were reading up about you and we found out that you founded your first business, Pacific Direct, at a uh, pretty young age. (laughs) So you were just 23 years old. Um, And today your investment strategy is all about well-being, sustainability, improving life's journey with mindfulness and eco-consciousness. So this is a really interesting philosophy and we'd love to know more about it. When did it come to be? What ignited this passion? Was there a specific moment in time where that happened? So yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about your shift to well-being and sustainable brands and your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's something people will be very familiar with, but perhaps more conscious of in terms of the amount of waste we create in the world. And I mean, my dad went bankrupt when I was 18. I got a job. I started an enterprise by miracle mistake and then cobbled together a business where initially I sold pre-threaded sewing kits, which I didn't understand at the time because I I had great sight. Now I'm desperate for pre-threaded sewing kits. But you know, the business grew and we did the best that we could. And we were supplying some initially just, you know, basic accessories. And one never really thought, and this was 1991, about the sort of considerable waste that we were creating in pursuit of giving the consumer, the hotel guest, more experience, frankly, a shoe shine so that in cotton, so they wouldn't wipe their shoes on a towel. So that was probably a good environmental move. But, you know, I've always been anti the shower cap. I never really understood those. And I, you know, and I kind of, I went, out of my way not to sell rubbish. And then as I sold that business, I was already having the epiphany that actually the stress in life, the speed at which we move. So in my last year of owning Pacific Direct, which I sold successfully, I traveled 221 nights overseas in one year. Ooh. At a yeah, a pretty humdinging, hideous, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody fast. And actually, as you can imagine, it's quite nice not to have traveled for a period of time now. But It's a privilege to have traveled because you learn and you smell and you see and you taste. And we don't want to lose that, but we want to be much more considered. And personally, I built a business that sold about 140 million miniature shampoos and shower gels. They were beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Bulgari, Penhaligans. I made for Aromatherapy Associates. I manufactured for uh, Aveda and and many fantastic brands. But I look back and I go, you know, was that necessary? Well, in those days, it kind of was what we knew. And now we can dispense those products, which is why the new iteration, Global Amenities, is about brackets and big bottles and dispensed product and refilling and really building and baking in the ability to refill and reuse and frankly, avoid waste. One of my inspirations, and it's ridiculous how long it took really, but I met a guy called Horst Rackenbacker, who was the creator of Aveda. 
I met him many, many years ago. And he, when I manufactured his product for him, he was a total pain in the ass, his organization. They were black and white. Either you use post-consumer recycled plastic, which is PCRP, or you don't make for us. And it took ages to solve the riddle. But I think the manufacturer is so important because, I mean, that's why I'm now a pain in the ass to my manufacturers because I say, find me recycled content. I want as much recycled content in that. And that's why, you know, we challenging the process and saying we're not doing it that way or, you know, we need to reduce this and change that. You've got to keep pushing boundaries. Every lick of paint, every application of foil, it's it's really pretty unnecessary, but we also don't want to live in a bland world. So there, there is still that balance. Centered came about and it is ultimately selling mindful, portable well-being because I used to arrive in those hotels feeling frankly like chewed string, a mother of three children under the age of six and not necessarily staying in the posh places that I was supplying. I, I might arrive in a hotel room that smelt of cigarette smoke and I would want to light a candle or transport myself frankly home. Scented came about because my mum saw me frankly holding on to chair arms to try and get breath into my body. I was suffering from stress. My mum gave me some aromatherapy to have a better night's sleep, to change the fragrance in a room to feel better when I was traveling. Problem, they were oils and oils leak when you put them under pressure. So I wanted to develop a portable, mindful, hard balm, well-being that you apply and you can apply it whenever and whenever, wherever. And that's why Scented came about. It's uh, amazing. So it's not only your sort of sustainability experience, but it's also your personal experience of stress and travel that's born this wonderful idea. Your current uh, brand centered, all of this is done with the idea of minimizing your brand's carbon footprint. Um, what steps do you take to achieve this? And how do you communicate this and tell the story and build, really build this story into the centered brand? So first of all, I think it's not easy. And I think there's a lot of dishonesty, which I am totally against in terms of how we declare what we do, how we do it, where we begin, the fabric we used. I'm very lucky. You know, I owned a manufacturing plant in China. I, I speak the language. I owned a manufacturing plant in the Czech Republic. We used to plastic injection mold bottles and caps in both of those countries. We had a joint venture in Egypt. And this was a big business that we ran, but we used to do stuff with hotels. And one of the best things I ever sold was a name card box in tin. And you can hear maybe in the background, this is a tin that is the Scented Hero product. And I'll just show it to you. I know it's a podcast, but that holds the six balms of Scented. And the tin came about because I once sat on an airplane where a guy took out several tins. He told me he had 14 of them, actually. And they were tins that I had sold to intercontinental hotels with a jet lag recovery kit in it. Sold that kit in 2004. I sold 1.8 million of them. And to then be sitting next door to someone who was genuinely using them again for the purpose for which they were designed. He was a sales guy and he was putting his business cards in them. I actually have the tin today. It is my business card holder. I have had it for 15, 16, oh my God, nearly 17 years. And that was the reason that I knew we could do better about packaging. So at every iteration, of every product that we produce for Centered, we consider reuse, repurpose, recycle, and refill, and resist. Because actually, there are some things I won't do because I just think we're past that. I think we need, I mean, actually, I'm laughing because you pro your, your guests won't be able to see this, but I'm showing you a cardboard box with, with candles without wrap on it, right? Because everybody buys, you know, a nice gift candle, blah, blah, blah. But actually, when they love the smell, why do they need to buy another one with this gift wrap on it? So this year, we are going to launch an unpack option. 
where I'm going to incentivize you not to take the gift pack again. Of course, I'd love you to buy one for a friend and make it gifty and all the rest of it. But actually, some people love these. And we have to teach people that this endless growth in home delivery is actually costing the earth. So when we buy, we should be buying in multiples. And it's not just the packaging that it comes in. So, you know, we have um, this product, which is a candle refill. And we've invented this candle refill. This took four years of pain. So it is literally a coffee cup. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I mean, when I say we have cracks, I have been through so many cracked candles that don't work. But, you know, the idea that you can take a candle and you can put it back into an outer glass with that level of simplicity, I think is really cool. Now, the truth is, it burns brilliantly. The smell is gorgeous. It's absolutely invigorating. It isn't as beautiful as the first burn on a first new candle in a glass. But actually, I don't care. I think there's more environmentalists out there than realize that they really give a toss. And so that's why, you know, see the candle glass. The glass is clean and white. It has a pattern, but I want you to be able to refill it. I want you to be able to reuse and repackage everything that we touch because where there's a will, there's a way. And that's how I was brought up. If we can share these small things that we do, like turning off the tap water when we brush our teeth, we will be in a better place. Yeah. I, I, what I love about that is that when you are actually gifting something like that, you're not just gifting the object, but you're also gifting the philosophy behind it and the kind of change and shift in ideas. And I think uh, a lot of what you've been doing with Centred and what you showed us is about the packaging and about the, this idea of the refill. I was wondering also about the when it when it comes to aromatherapy with the oils, with the waxes, there's obviously an uh, an ingredient story. Is well. yeah. how do you bring this kind of sustainability and sustainable sourcing of ingredients story to life? Let's deal with the ingredients first, because you know, to make a balm that genuinely is not just a nice smell, this is a formulated group of essential oils combined to do something to your mindset. They are you know, if you talk about the focus balm, it has rosemary and mint and clary sage, and it's uplifting and you'll apply it to your temples and you will feel your eyes open with awakenness. It's like somebody said to me the other day, it's like better than a coffee or, or cheaper than a Panadol. The New York Times wrote about it being better than Ambien, which is apparently their Panadol. So with this, you've got moringa oil and shea butter, and these are African sourced ingredients in general. That's where they grow. And I know the source of the product. You have this dichotomy of, are you growing a necessary industry? Are you bringing employment, which is also one of the ESG goals? And are you doing it in the right way? In other words, are you then flying fresh beans in the wrong season out of Africa so that Waitrose can serve green beans at a time when we don't bloody well need them? The consideration of where we source our oil, the caliber of the oil, the impact we have, also applies to the ingredients we use, but I will be transparent, which is there are some products with the essential oils, they don't grow in England. So then you have to make sure that you're buying an ingredient that has source sustainability. And we've even researched in some cases all the way back down, I'm not joking, to the worms that are used in the compost to ensure that there's soil regeneration and I can be really anal about it, but it's how I began my fragrance learning journey. It's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing, the the origins. But I want to talk more about this idea of travel that you just touched on. Yep. Luxury and travel and sustainability are sectors where 
talking about sustainability can come with an extra challenge as um, some luxury items are seen as quite wasteful. Like you th- see on the news, like what Burberry did a couple of years ago, like burning all their stock and travel. You see like the CO2 footprint of travel can be quite huge. So you're helping to change this narrative about luxury and travel. What have been the real challenges and the opportunities that you encountered um, entering into this space? So first of all, let's be clear, there's huge hypocrisy as well, right? And, And there has to be a balance. Talking from a British point of view, you know, we've been very, very privileged to have a deep history around the world. And we are beholden to countries like Sri Lanka for their sandalwood and and Australia for sandalwood and in Sri Lanka for the oud and the frankincense. The impact that we have on the world, and the world is a small place and I have a global mindset, so I'm not going to apologize for looking globally outward because I think the mental health challenge for mindful well-being is a global problem. But if I can refill and I can miniaturize, and although I do air freight my solid balm, which is a minute amount of balm, but it's much more sustainable to do that than to freight big, big products around the world. It's about scale and it's about impact and it's about sea freight versus air freight. It's about time, which is also about money. So the better you understand the finances of your business and your supply chain and the impact that you have at each stage, the better the decisions you make. So we literally work from the ground up on what's the outer carton? Is it compact? So, for example, we buy all of our packaging. It's taken me years to solve this problem. Years ago, I was sent tea bag cutoff by a tea bag company as their stuffing when they get sold me tea bags in America. The company's called Tea Republic. And I looked at these round circles in this brown paper and I thought, oh my God, it's tea bag cutoff. And I then spent months, months, and months with my PA and I on this Phyllis project, not that ridiculous because now everything that we wrap is in cut-off teabag from Clipper and it was going to go to the bin. So we have reels of this bloody stuff. My staff are like, well, do we want to tell people that? And I'm like, yes, we do because they can think of other things that they can save from waste. We're creating so much waste. The point is let's give everything a second life. Refill, revitalizing, resisting, repackaging, but in a different way. That's better than recycling. And we have to stop setting the low barrier of stupid, inexcusable claims. It's nonsense because recycling costs a lot. It's not thought through. We don't divide our litterware enough. There's so much rubbish talked about it. Let's do the other stuff first. It's better lower hanging fruit. Amazing. I think one thing that I'd like to ask you more about that you talked about your staff and or do we really want to tell consumers about this? With sustainability, it's a learning journey. It's something that you kind of appreciate, find new solutions and share them. And it's, it's a journey. How do you take your staff? How do you build the right culture of staff within your company that actually goes on this journey with you and has that readiness rather than being maybe more purely commercially minded, which can happen? It's definitely two pronged and don't for one minute get the impression that I'm not commercial because I am a commercial beast, right? And I'm here to make profit because I want to do good things with the profit. And I, I'm not you know, I'm not apologetic about that. I'm, I think business is measured in pounds and pennies or dollars and cents. And it's then what we choose to do with that, that we can really change the world because the political system won't do that. I have a deep, big plan about changing the world. And I'm very excited about bringing kind of our mantra, which is stop, inhale and reset. So when we recruit, we recruit for the kind of people that we know are living this proposition. You know, I've got a supply chain director who sends me her laundry packaging, who sends me her latest box. They send me pictures of stuff they see in rubbish tip. It's about if you recruit 
on the incoming, you will build a culture that meets the needs of what the business is trying to achieve and you can't fail. Then you lead by example. You can't fake it. You know, we have a sustainability champion who runs across my group of companies. My team and I educate. We do NPD meetings together. We challenge everything. That we also brainstorm. What else can we do with that other than a bloody pen pot or a makeup brush holder? You know, we can be more inventive. It's inspiring. Sometimes you can't realize what you could use this from. You need somebody to sort of show you the way. That's the point, which is the brains of the many. And being open to change is everything when it comes to Earth Matters. You know, we all need, and I don't believe that the sum of small gains won't accumulate something because I'm a sports person or I'd like to think I was. And the British team won cycling because it looked at every incremental benefit. And again, if everybody does their bit and they stop saying, oh, well, it will never change, then then we'll win. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, so inspiring. We have one final question for you where we give you basically a magic wand. You have a magic wand and you can make one change in the world to make it more sustainable. What the, what would this one magical change be? God, I should have thought about this. There's so many things. I mean, I remember writing some notes and thinking, you know, I wrote things like that, the voice, the political, the travel responsibility, sustainable living, reducing, you know, these are all things we talk about, but actually I always believe everything comes back to education. And unless we build this in to childhood education, like, and change, frankly, the whole sodding education system. And and we have to lead as generations of people who know better now. You know, David Attenborough is my, Sir David Attenborough is my legend. And I would die to have a meal with him because I think he is extraordinary and making change, but it's up to the rest of us to breed decent children who do the right thing and compost the litter. And it's up to education and parents can't delegate the whole of the educational leadership responsibility to the next generation. You know, my kids don't shop in Primark. They fight to go and see the latest charity shops in the expensive areas and and they won't buy new unless it's special occasion. And, And that's like when I was a kid, which is you had your special occasion wear and you had a couple of other sets of clothing, but you didn't buy disposable clothing. So buy quality that lasts. I guess education is the answer. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Really, really enjoyed that. Oh, good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Earth Matters from Path. Stay up to date on everything Earth Matters at wearepath.com forward slash earth hyphen matters. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And for more ideas, inspiration, and future thinking, check out our trends reports and thought pieces on wearepath.com forward slash thinking. Thanks for joining us.